0: Kids and parents, the moment you've been waiting for is almost here. Rockbridge Kids is ready to relaunch September 13th on all six Rockbridge campuses for kids birth through fifth grade. We're gonna put in place new health, safety, and social distancing standards that are gonna help Rockbridge Kids be as safe an environment as it can possibly be for your family. If you're not ready to regather with us on
1: September 13th, that's okay because Rockbridge Kids online service will continue indefinitely. Students and parents of 6th through 12th graders, we're excited to announce that our link worship service is starting back up on September the 13th. Now, from now until then, we're gonna continue the link online on demand so you can stay connected until then, but we're so excited about our first link worship service. We're gonna have a blast, we're gonna have games, a live message, live worship and small groups, and we're gonna preview what Rockbridge Student Ministry is gonna look like this year. We are so excited for all of our upcoming sixth graders to experience their first link. So if you have any questions, you want to contact us, you can go to rockbridge.cc students and you can get connected with us. We are so excited about the link and we cannot wait to see you there. Now let's join our lead pastor, Matt Evans, as we continue in our series, New Normal.
0: Hey, welcome Rockbridge! Welcome wherever you have gathered in any of our lo- physical locations, or also for those of you who are online on our on Facebook, YouTube, or Rockbridge Online. In fact, right now, just if you're online, love for you to just shoot out in your chat room or send a message what campus you're closest to, or hey, I'm just in a different state, different country. We'd love to say hello to you and just thank you for uh, being a part of our worship service and being a part of our series that we're in called. A new normal. And as we've been navigating forward in this new normal, uh, God, we've said, it sometimes takes change and transition and uses it in ways that we might not expect. And we've all kind of had to admit that as a, a, a nation, as a community, our families, our churches, everything is just sort of in a, in a state of flux, in a state where we're just like, hey, I thought we would be past this by now. I thought we would be done with this by now. I thought we would be back to normal by now. And the fact of the matter is we're not. And so we're learning from the prophetic ministry of Elisha in 2 Kings kind of how to navigate this new normal. Now, as we talk today, I just want to point this out. We have a, a tech system where we used to have, we had some next step cards, but some of you are watching online, some of you are, you know, you just have your smartphone, you can go ahead and pull that out, but here here you go. You just text next to 888-744-0761. And what this means is if there's a next step you want to ask about, know about, then you just text that word, uh, something will come to you and we'll get in touch with you and help you navigate forward in your faith journey, get questions answered, learn more about our church and our ministry. So that's the way to do that. That's the best way to do that. Okay. So we we talked in week 1 about invitations that God gives us in the new normal. Last week we talked about what our focus should be and should not be in the new normal. And and this week we're going to get even uh, even more practical because here's I don't know about you, but here's something I've experienced. Church as I've known it has been disrupted. You know, I'm 45 years old. I've been at walking with Jesus since I was eight years old. And church as I've known it has been disrupted. And, and some of you, your jobs have been disrupted. Your kid's school has been disrupted. Your work rhythms have been disrupted. And not to mention other disruptions that have occurred or interruptions that occurred. So sooner or later, we bump into this. I'm just not sure what to do. In my new normal, I'm just not sure what to do. I've never been through something like this before. I've never dealt with something like this before. I'm not sure what to do. What I used to do is no longer working. What I used to do is no longer valid. What I used to do just doesn't seem to fit the season that I find or we find ourselves in right now. So I think a lot of us can relate. I'm just not sure what to do. We're going to answer or we're going to fill in or we're going to kind of give some clarity to this statement later on as we navigate through the Word of God. Now, if you pair that with your faith or those of you who are sort of kicking the tires of faith, those of you who are Christ followers, you can take it a step further and say, I'm just not sure what God is doing. I've been in numerous conversations with pastors all over the country, and we've talked about this. Like We believe in God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in Christmas, Easter, all that kind of stuff like some of you do. But we're just like, what is God doing? What is God doing? But what we're going to try to do through the Word of God today is we're going to try to see this what God is doing and intersect with how what we do should intersect with what God is doing and move forward. Now let me give you some foundational scriptures just to kind of understand how we can navigate forward. Psalm 68:19 says this, "Blessed be the Lord day after day. He bears our burdens. God is our salvation." So this means day after day, every day, God is available. God is doing something. Isaiah 64, 4 says it this way, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait, trust, look to, who wait for him. So the bottom line is, whether we sense it, whether we know it, whether we feel it or not, Scripture would tell us that God is working So the challenge for you and I is to learn how do we intersect what we should be doing with what God is doing in a new normal, what God is doing in this, through this, from this. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So we're all sitting here like, God, what are you doing? Help us see it. And then, God, we're not sure what we should do, so give us clarity to navigate forward in the new normal. So, for that, we're gonna look at this a really cool story in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, where we join our prophet, the friend we've been looking at for the past several weeks. His name is Elisha. Here we go. The word of God says this, one of the wives of the sons of the prophet. So Elisha is kind of the senior in charge prophet and he's got other prophets that are underneath him. So one of the wives of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So she turns to Elisha. She's got a problem. She's got a situation. She says, your servant, my husband has died. New normal. She's a widow now. Now, a widow in this culture is one of the most vulnerable, one of the weakest people. In fact, God specifically has to command his people to take care of the quartet of the vulnerable, we call it. The widow, the immigrant, the extremely poor, and the orphan. And so she now fits into that category, and so she's in a new normal, and she's kind of not sure what to do, and she's not sure about God either, because look what she says. She goes, you know that your servant, that's she's talking about, her husband, feared the Lord. So he served your God, Elisha, and I'm not sure what God is doing, but here's what I'm facing. Now the creditor is coming to take my two children, she's a single mom now, time to take my two children as his slaves. We know that if you couldn't pay a debt in this society, they didn't turn you over to a collection agency. They could just take you or your children and you would be a slave and work until the debt was paid off. So she's now a widow vulnerable. She's a single mom trying to raise two kids, but because they had some debt in their family, then her kids are gonna be taken as slaves. And so she goes to Elisha. And Elisha asks her a very, very personal question. He says, what can I do for you. What can I do for you? Now, Elisha speaks for God. He's the prophet of Israel. He speaks for God. And so when Elisha speaks, it carries authority as the representative of God to his people. And I I just want to pause right now. Have you really thought about that question? If if you put yourself in your new normal, and, and you're not sure what you should do, and you're not sure what God should do, or what God is doing, and what and God could be asking, "What do you? What, what can I do for you?" And just let that kind of sit in your situation. Let that kind of sit in your circumstance. If, if God says, "Hey, what can I do for you?" Jesus asked this all the time. "What is it you want me to do for you?" He'd find people in, in different conditions. "Well, what do you want me to do for you?" It's like God wants us to verbalize, to vocalize, to articulate, to express what it is we're feeling, what it is we're dealing with, what it is we want to move forward in. But here's what we need to know about God. God is always working to develop, and I'm going to coin a phrase here this weekend, God is always working to develop what I call first-person faith. You know, first-person, if you remember English, that's me, myself, and I. That's first-person faith. My faith, my faith our collective faith. God is always working to develop first-person faith. See, a, a lot of times, a lot of times, I think, especially if you grew up in church or your parents raised you in church, you don't really have your faith. You have your parents' faith. Or, or you have your pastor's faith. Or, gosh, man, I had a, I had a godly teacher or a godly coach. And you have their faith. And you hear stories about how God moves in their lives. You have stories about how God moves over there in those countries. But God is working, we said that, and God is working in your new normal because he wants you to develop your faith. He wants you to say, my God moved, my God worked, my God showed me, my God taught me, my God gave me. First-person faith. For the people of God at Rockbridge, it would sound like this. Our God took us. Our God provided for us. Our God moved through us. How many of us can say that? How many of us can say, it has been a long time since I felt personally connected and had a first-person faith with God. So when Elisha looks at this widow who had sort of been behind the scenes, her husband's the prophet, her husband is the one working for God, he's gone And this nameless widow, God through Elisha takes interest in. He says, what do you want me to do for you? She may have never had that question asked. Shows you God's compassion, right? It shows you that God is interested in people that aren't even named. Some of us here, we may feel nameless. We may feel invisible. We may wonder, does God even care? And yeah, God's working and he's working to develop first person faith. So what is this widow now, this single mom, what does she do that is so powerful, that helps us answer what we should do when we don't know what we should do? Here's what she does. Here's what she does. She makes faith in God her starting point. Now, some of you are like, what does that mean? All right, so she makes faith in God her starting point. It's probably better if we talk about what it doesn't mean. So for a lot of us, faith is like, I believe in God, okay? Faith is, I believe. I believe that Jesus lived or I believe in the resurrection. I believe there's a place called heaven. I believe in the things of Christmas. That's what I believe. But, but the starting point is, can you translate your belief in God to your specific new normal, to your specific situation, and then act and develop your attitude and your outlook and your mindset from or what's based on your faith in God? Again, Let's talk about what it doesn't look like. Let's contrast it, okay? See, a lot of us, our starting point is not faith. It's frustration and anger. Or it's fear. Or it's confusion. Because what was comfortable to us was taken from us. A lot of us, you know what, I, what our starting point is? It's control. How can I maintain control? Control. Some of you, the word up here might be cynicism, might be bitterness. Some of you might just be, it might be sadness, it might be lament. And this is your starting point. This is what you go, you act from this thing. You act from this posture. You have an attitude based on this and it's not based on the fact that God is working, that God is good, that God is gracious, that God is moving, that God has a plan that can't be foiled, that can't be thwarted. It's not based on the fact that God loves you, that God died for you, that God died in your place. It's just based on I'm mad, I'm confused, I'm hurt and that's where you start from. It's like sometimes me as a parent, right? When I have to discipline my kids, that's sort of a God mandate, right? For parents, for dads, for moms. But there's a difference between disciplining your kids from your faith and from your frustration and anger with them. Right? There's a difference between walking into your new normal with a sense of faith and hope and expectancy because of who God is and God is interested in nameless widows so God is interested in all of us and walking into it like I don't know God, or I don't know what God's up to. So this nameless widow just goes straight to the voice, the mouthpiece, the representative of God, and says, hey, I need some help. I need to know what I need to do. She makes faith her starting point. Now, let me tell you the battle. Let me, let me phrase it this way. The battle is really this, and I love this terminology. I got it from a Charles Stanley a long time ago. The battle is, am I going to be a reactor or a responder? a reactor or a responder. You know, and I, say it, I say it this way. It's easier to act like a Christian than to react like one, right? So something happened. Something has happened. COVID, racial injustice, crazy politics, an economic depression, recession, depending on where you are on, that, on, on, the, on the cycle, so to speak, right? Something has happened. New normal is here. The question is, do I react to it or respond to it? Do I react to it or respond to it? It's easy to react out of anger, out of frustration, out of fear, out of insecurity. It's easy to react like someone who is out of control and wants to be back in control. It is so easy. Reaction is what comes sort of natural to us. Reaction is sort of what just happens without even us thinking about it. And what happens is we just react and our faith is dormant, dead, sidelined, hidden in the closet. It's why people that you see in church post things on social media that doesn't look like they believe in God. It's why things come out of your mouth, come out of your heart. It looks like, and you're like, do you really believe the tomb is still empty? Do you really believe Jesus is ascended and sitting on the throne of heaven? It's just because we reacted Think, think, about, think about it this way, when a crisis happens, like an emergency, a medical emergency, a crime type emergency, or, or a fire, some kind of emergency, what do we do? We call first responders, because they know what to do initially, Right? To handle and subdue the crisis. I mean, if we had a crisis in here right now, most of us would probably panic, scream, and run for safety. A first responder comes in and says, Oh, there's a fire. Here's how we need to respond versus how we need to react. And so what God is saying and teaching, and I don't know what to do. You want to respond first from your faith, not from your toxic emotion, not from your negative outlook, not from what you used to do or what you would have done or what you think God should have done, but to respond from your faith in who God is as a God who died for you and a God who died instead of you. Now, to get there, to get there, we need some help because it's natural to get frustrated, it's normal to get angry. It's typical to get doubtful or confused or bitter or cynical. In, in fact, in fact, in fact, you could you could you could have your reaction, right? Your reaction, and you could tell the five or six people in your life what you did. And here's probably what most of your friends would say to you: You know what? It's okay. It's normal. That's just how you. That's just how people resp- react to those kind of things. And what we're saying is, but there's a better way. We're not interested in doing what's expected. We're interested in getting from from the natural to the supernatural. Because when we don't know what we should do, we just tend, you know what we tend to do? We just tend to react. And some people react in fear. Some people react in anger. So how do we get to be a responder? First thing is, I think you have to dethrone your emotions. Dethrone your emotions. We live in a culture that says your emotions are king. We live in a culture that says your emotions are guides. it feels good do it if you're mad express it you know you tell someone off on social media they deserve it right cancel them whatever that's what we that's what that's the culture we live in what what you'll find as you follow Jesus is your emotions are gauges but they're never supposed to be guides so we have to dethrone our emotions if we're going to get to a faith first response second you have to shift into neutral Neutral means I can't go with my gut, I can't follow my heart, I can't say the first thing that comes to the tip of my tongue or the front of my mind. Neutral means I've got to pause, I've got to think about, I've got to get in a position and say, okay, what does my faith in my God tell me I should do? What does my faith in my God help me with my attitude? And then the third thing is we have to seek God. Because remember, remember, God is after a relationship with you and I. And what do relationships take? T-I-M-E. Those of you that are married, those of you that got parents, have you ever said this before you made a decision? You've said, good marriages, especially men, we, we, we make a living out of this one well, I got to check with my wife first. and what does that take? Time. Kids, sometimes, well, I got to ask my dad. Well, I got to ask my parents first. Why do you do that? Because you're in relationship with those people. Yet, when it comes to God, we don't want to check with God. We just want to go with our gut and say, God, bless what I did. God, fix what I did. And so, listen, if we're going to seek him, it takes T-I-M-E. In fact, there are very few circumstances in life, short of literally needing to call 911, where you and I do not have the T-I-M-E to seek God for our response versus our reaction. Now, I'll give you something that I'm trying to work on in my life. I'm not batting a thousand on it, so uh, don't ask me how I'm doing on it. I'll just tell you I'm not batting a thousand. But here's what I think is helpful. It's the habit of what I'll call a holy pause that creates a holy possibility. An unholy reaction makes it difficult to get to a holy possibility. In fact, an unholy reaction can make some things impossible. But the habit of a holy pause to say, what does faith, my faith in God teach me, tell me, show me, help me to do? I know what I want to do. I know what my gut says. I know how my parents would have handled it not so good. Whatever. I know how my boss handles it. I know how he would do it. I know what they did. But what does faith in my God tell me to do? It's a holy pause, to create a holy possibility. Because here's the truth, okay? Our reaction is what I can do. Our reaction in anger and frustration and bitterness is a predictable and an expected result. Response gets us on the plane of what God wants to do and what God is working. Remember, he's always working. What God is working to do, all right? So we're gonna create that holy pause and we're gonna stop and say, okay, what does faith show me, teach me, tell me I should do? Now, two reminders. First one is this, remember this. Faith does not fix everything, but it does bring God into anything, which means there's hope. Faith doesn't fix everything. This, this lady, her husband is not going to come back to life. There are consequences that we're all experiencing, and faith is not going to just eradicate consequences. Faith is not necessarily going to get rid of, of a virus or a pandemic okay? Faith is not necessarily going to make the economy suddenly magically turn around. Faith is not going to fix everything. Never has, never, never promised to, but it does link us to God and God into our new normal. And therefore, no matter what normal is new to us, we can always have hope because once God gets in there and our faith links us to God, we suddenly have hope. And hope is the fuel your soul needs to run on. New normal, old normal, whatever. Now, the second thing I say to this, because if you're like me, if you're like me, you might not have made faith your starting point. You you may be sitting here like, ah, Matt, why couldn't we have heard this message back in March? Or when I got laid off, I wish, I wish right then, that's when I, 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 because I didn't make faith my starting point. Or Matt, Matt, you know, I want to go back to my high school, Matt, and I I didn't make faith my starting point in some decisions I made in in high school. Or my first marriage, faith was not my starting point. My current marriage, faith is not my starting point. And, and, And so you're like, have I, have I swung and missed? Have I struck out? No, no, no. Listen, here's the beautiful thing about God, okay? If faith was not your starting point, it can be your new beginning. If you've walked into this new normal and you've not walked by faith, you've walked by frustration, by bitterness, by anger, by cynicism, by defensiveness, by insecurity, by whatever, that's okay. You lay that down to God right now, ask him to forgive you and say, God, from this point forward, I want to operate by faith in you, in your goodness, your greatness, your power, your presence, your purposes, and that becomes your new beginning. So you can turn your computer off in a few minutes, you can walk out of your campus in a few minutes, and you can walk out of here with a new beginning because you are going to face tomorrow as a man or woman of faith and you're going to walk by it so let's keep walking with our widow so she goes to Elisha tells him her situation tells him her new normal Elisha asks her that great personal question because God wants first person faith what can I do for you and he says okay okay he didn't even let her answer he says tell me what do you have in the house what do you have in your house and she said, your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil, probably olive oil, which had tons of purposes uh, back then. Uh, so she said, I have nothing except a small jar, jar of olive oil. I have nothing except a jar of oil. And, and, and see, see, this is our temptation, right? When we look at ourselves, we look at kind of what we have stewardship over, In a new normal, it's tempted to think, I don't really have anything useful. I don't really have anything of value. I don't really have anything that can be used. I don't have anything to start with. I just got nothing except this small jar of oil. I'm just sort of weak, and I'm limited. But our weakness and our limitations are not stopping points for God. They're often the springboard for his work in our lives. So then Elisha said, okay, I want you to go out and borrow empty containers from all your neighbors. Do not get just a few. Don't lowball this. Don't expect too little. Then I want you to go in your house, shut the door behind you and your sons, and I want you to pour oil into all these containers. Set the full ones to one side. And so she left and does exactly what he says. There's going to be a multiplication from the nothing except. So this illustrates for us what does it really mean to walk by faith. What does it really mean to walk by faith? And I'll try to describe it this way. Being on a path of faith is being on a path of cooperation with God. Your faith does not put you in the driver's seat. Your faith is not some magic formula. Your faith is not you being complacent about your situation or resistant to God's hand in your situation. Your faith is I am with him walking forward in this. See, faith is not mental agreement. Faith is a course of action based on relentless and radical trust in a good, gracious, all-powerful God who's always working to accomplish his, his purposes. That's it. And so faith is being on a path of I am actively cooperating with God. I am moving forward as if God is with me. I am moving forward, obeying all that I know, no matter how crazy it seems. That's in part four. I am moving forward on a path of cooperation. Now here's the challenge. A lot of us don't have a paradigm for what it looks like to cooperate with God for what it looks like because we sometimes think God only does these big, amazing things or, or, or God doesn't wouldn't use someone who has nothing except. I'm a nothing except person. God can't do anything with me. So here's what we learn from this story which is so powerful. God often starts with something that we think amounts to nothing. God often starts with something we think amounts to nothing. In other words, he's going to work with what we have. He's not going to work with what we don't have. He's going to work with what we have. In fact, those of you that are Christ followers, how do you become a Christ follower? One of the first things you have to do is give God what you have. And what do you have? Sin, rebellion, regret, remorse, guilt, shame, pain. That's what you have. And God wants to take that from you. And take that so he can transform you. So God will work with what you have. Go through scripture. Moses, what did he have? A staff. Go through scripture. What did the little boy have that Jesus multiplied what? He just multiplied what he had in his lunchbox. Nehemiah just had a burden. God will work with what you have. In fact, you know what Satan wants you to do? Here's what your enemy wants you to do in a new normal. To keep you moving forward from faith, in faith, Satan wants you to focus on what you don't have, what you used to have, or what other people have that you wish you had. In fact, if you're sitting here right now saying, if I had blank or if I could blank, then I would. Because I got nothing except... Your limitation, your desperation, your weakness are not stopping points for God. They're the launching pads for God to move in your life if you give him what you have. If you have sin, you give it to him. And he works an act of grace and forgiveness in your soul. And he touches you and heals you with the blood of your son, his son. If you have time, you give him what you have. If you have just a little jar of oil like this widow, you give him what you have. Because here's a principle of faith. God often starts small. God often starts small. See, sometimes we miss God because we think, man, God just does the big stuff. If you are going to have a first person faith, I guarantee you it's going to involve a small step. Some of you are like, you know, God, I don't know what to do about my marriage. I don't know what to do about a bad relationship in my family. I don't know what to do about it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It may not get fixed or healed overnight, but you can start small with one conversation or with these very powerful words. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I was wrong. That's small, right? But big things come from small acts, small movements of faith. Some of us, I, you know, you sit here and like say, I, I just don't know much about God. I just don't know much about the Bible. And you feel like it's such a mountain to climb. What do you have? You might have 10 minutes in your truck at your lunch break before your shift resumes. Give those 10 minutes time with God. Open the scripture. Just read for 10 minutes. You may have a rebellious son or a rebellious daughter, a prodigal who's moved away and you don't know how they're doing or what they're doing and you don't even know where to start small. Just start by praying for them every day. Just make a commitment to pray every single day. So you you need to walk out of here today, this weekend, shut your device down and what is the small step God is asking me to take by giving him what I have and trusting him to multiply it which takes us to the next thing about what it means to walk by faith. So we're on a path of cooperation that often starts small and starts with what we have, not with what we do not have. But the second thing it is, is a path of cooperation that's loaded with supernatural expectations. Notice what Elisha told her. Go get some more jars, but not just a few. God's going to do something big, and it's so big, we start small, and God multiplies to big. A lot of you want God to start big, and you, just, you to join him there, God wants to start with your small act of faith, and he'll multiply it to big. Now, here's the challenge I have. Sometimes I'm a victim of my expectations, because my expectations are shaped around my will, my preference, my comfort, my liking. And God doesn't do my will, my comfort, my preference, my liking. He does his will. He does God. So what is it like to have supernatural expectations? I I really try to think this through. here's Here's what I think we can expect. That when God goes big and God moves big and God moves in our lives and we should all expect him to in this new normal, that we'll end up with more of God, we'll be more like Christ, and we'll be more in awe of him. I'll, be more like, I'll have more of God. We talked about that last week. I'll look more like Jesus, and I'll be more in awe of who God is. That's the supernatural expectation. Another way for me to say it is this. A supernatural expectation is going to look like more, better, and forever. My supernatural expectation, more, better, and forever. So that's why when the Bible will say God will do unimaginable, unfathomable things, God will do more than we can ask or imagine for those who love him. It says things like that. So here's what that means to me. I can't even put a lid on, on an expectation. I just know God will do more, better, and forever than I would expect him to do. He'll do more, better, and forever. So, so we can walk out of here today starting small but expecting big in the supernatural realm of our God who's working for us and inviting us to join him. Now the story ends with this miracle of multiplication. It says, after she shut the door behind her and her sons, they kept bringing her containers and she just kept pouring. And God keeps multiplying and God keeps multiplying. And when they were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. But he replied, there are not any more. And then the oil stopped because they had no other place to place it. She went and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. Here's the beautiful thing. This is what makes following Jesus the most exciting, adventuresome, incredible way to live. This is why I say to you, being a Christian is the only way to die, but it's the best way to live. Because we live from what our faith in God gives. We live from what our faith in God gives. Because God, listen, here's the powerful thing. Here's the powerful thing, okay? Faith in God always results in God giving. Because God is a giver. And God moves in correlation to our faith and trust in him. So another question we need to answer, you can answer it in your chat room, you can answer it in your small group, you can answer it on the way home. What is my faith in God giving? And again, some of us are like, well, I don't know yet because I'm on a new beginning. Faith hasn't been my starting point. That's okay, but you be expectant. You be expectant that God is going to give something in response to your faith. I was thinking about this because, again, I've experienced every emotion you can as a husband, as a as a father, as a pastor, trying to move forward, navigate the new normal. And I was writing this down before I came out here to share this message with you. And I said, like, God, I got to live this before I preach this. What is my faith in God giving me? And I, I wrote down I wrote down a couple of things. Identity, identity. I am a son of God. I live from that identity. First foremost, and the best Matt Evans that I can be is the Matt Evans that lives from who God has declared me and purchased me by his blood to be. God's given me identity. Some of you, you're in an identity crisis right now. You know why you're in an identity crisis? Because your identity was based on the old normal. But your faith in God gives you an identity. And you're, it's not your profession, it's not your hobby. It's not what those people said about you. It's what God has spoken over you on the basis of your faith in His Son who died for you and who died instead of you. Faith in God right now is giving me perspective. Perspective. Because every time in Scripture... When God caused or allowed an interruption or a disruption, there was a move of God that was unprecedented in that era, in that season, in that region. So it's given me perspective that I can still hope that the best is yet to come. So can we live from what faith in God gives? Don't live from what you're not getting. Satan wants you to focus on what's not right now. Focus on what is, what's flowing, what's coming from your faith in God. Now let me close by taking this to the gospel, the good news. Because some of you need to have a new beginning and a fresh start right now. You've tried it your way. You've tried it the world's way. You've tried it the way maybe your family always did it. And and you need a new driver in the driver's seat. You need to give the steering wheel of your life to Jesus Christ, to the one who starts small and goes big for you. So, So see this in the story. All of us have a debt that we cannot pay. We cannot be good enough. We cannot earn heaven. We cannot earn a relationship with God we have a debt we cannot pay all of all of us all we have is nothing but sin to give to God so the question is have you given your sin to God so he could pay your debt you have to do that you have to give God your sin emptiness always comes before his fullness that nobody gets into heaven being prideful. Nobody gets saved in an act of pride. We get saved in an act of emptiness. God, I can't, but you can, and I'll let you. And then finally, we live from what he has done for us, what he's achieved for us, what he's given us on the basis of the death and resurrection of his son. Let's agree. We're going to leave here today knowing what we do, knowing where we live from. We live from our faith in him. We live from what he's giving us because of that faith. And today is either a new beginning or a starting point for our new normal. Let's pray together. God, we ask you just to bless the teaching, the reading of your word, we ask you, God, by your Holy Spirit to apply it to our hearts and to our unique situations that right now, God, there is a first-person faith being born, being empowered, being generated, God, that all of us are saying, yes, that's how I need to move forward. Yes, that's what I need to do. Yes, it's a small start, but God is a big God. So, God, for all these yeses, be honored and be glorified. For all the new beginnings, be honored and be glorified. For all those who have said yes to you for the first time, you're partying in heaven because you've got new sons and daughters. And we praise you. And we praise you for what you have done. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A lot of lessons to learn from